Amen. I'll ask for just a few more moments to those of you who are able to please remain standing as we look at our scripture for today. It's found in Luke chapter number 22. We're going to look at verses 39 through 43 together. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. The word of God to you today. You may be seated. Good morning. Happy Sunday, everybody. I'm grateful for your presence today. Thank you so much for being here. If you're new with us, thank you for choosing us. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City. And today we're going to focus all of our attention on relationships, God-honoring relationships. Today's message is entitled, The Way of Love. The Way of Love. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we glorify you. We honor you. We adore your holy name. Grateful for this space and time, for this moment, for the grace that allowed us to see this moment. We ask, Lord, now that you would glorify yourself in our hearts and in our minds. We pray that you would move up and down these aisles, move in and out of, the, of our hearts by your spirit, to rest our attention, to do whatever it is that you need to do in this moment. But we ask that above all else, you would get the glory. We sit at your feet now and we learn of you in Jesus' name. God's children said amen. Amen and amen. Well, I'm sure that many of you celebrated love this past week. And even if you didn't, I hope that there are people in your life that make you feel seen and loved and appreciated. Now, I will say that whether you're a big fan of February 14th or not, relationships in general, regardless of the type, whether they're romantic, platonic, business relationships, or otherwise, relationships determine the course and the quality of our lives, and thus they should not be handled haphazardly. While many of us have undoubtedly experienced our share of ups and downs in relationships, not enough of us, in my opinion, as Christ followers, are intentional about consistently showing up in our relationships in ways that honor God. In other words, you and I should care about whether our relationships with others reflect our relationship and our pursuit of God. You may be familiar with what Jesus said in John 13, 35, when he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. Now, Jesus is not only the perfect expression of God's love towards us, but he's also the perfect model for us related to how we are to love God and to love others. In other words, Jesus didn't just require, he doesn't just require anything from us that he didn't live out in his own life. Jesus' life was a demonstration of our bottom line today. Now, bottom line is this. When we love God most, we'll love others best. When we love God 
most will love others best. Now, right here at the top, I want to talk about love to set this up, love as the greatest commandment. I want to remind you of something that you're probably already familiar of, and it's what Jesus had to say in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31, when asked by one of the religious leaders, what was the most or the greatest commandment? Jesus responded, he said, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Then he says in verse 31, the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment, he says, is greater than these. So, friends, love is the supreme thing. Love is the supreme thing. Jesus is essentially saying that for you and I, love is non-negotiable. Love is non-negotiable. Healthy relationships are so important that God didn't just suggest that we love, he commanded it. Commanded that we love. But notice that there's a divine order to it. Love God and love others. Why? Because loving God is what creates the capacity in you and I to love others. In fact, it's our love for God, it's our love for others, rather, that is the overflow from our love for God. I love what Ted Anslet says when he was asked to define love. He defined love this way. He said, love isn't just a feeling, it's a way to relate to others. Love isn't just a feeling, it is a way to relate to others. I refer to love as a response. Love is an external response to an internal realization. In other words, love is an action word. Now, to be clear, while love is the most important thing for each of us, the expression of that love can vary, right? Depending on the relationship or the person that it is directed towards. But what I love, what I love is that Jesus didn't just say we should love God and love others. He showed us how to do it. He didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us how to do it. And so I want to look today at a pivotal moment in the life and the ministry of Christ because I believe that this moment in Luke 22, it shows us a few things that are vital for every God-honoring relationship, no matter the type of relationship. And in this moment, we'll see that Jesus is showing us both how to love God most and how to love others best. So let's look at Luke 22, loving God most and loving others best. Now, many of you might be familiar with this passage of Scripture, but just for a little bit of context... What happens in these verses is just before Jesus is betrayed and arrested. Just before he's betrayed and arrested. And again, in this moment that we'll see, which by the way is Jesus' humanity on full display. In this moment, Jesus does more for us than just define love. He demonstrates it. And he gives us a clear picture of love in action. And in so doing, he shows us three things that you and I can do today to begin to love God most and love others best. Verse 39 and 40 says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Then he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Then here it is, what he says in verse 41. Here it is. He says, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Right there. He's showing us how to love God most and how to love others 
best. The first thing Jesus does here that demonstrates loving God most and loving others best is when he walked away. Stay with me now. Other versions say that he withdrew himself, he withdrew himself, or he pulled away. Another example of Jesus doing this that I love is found in Mark 135. That scripture says that before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. For you and I, the takeaway is this, that in order to love God most and love others best, we must displace the distractions. We must displace the distractions. This is what Jesus was doing here when he walked away. And this is important for us. In other words, we must displace the distractions to be alone with God and to be fully present with people. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We must displace distractions to be alone with God and fully present with people. To say it another way, we must practice the discipline of solitude and the ministry of presence. And the ministry of presence. Solitude so that we can silence the noise of the world and the noise in our own head and our hearts so that we can hear God's voice. And we need to practice being fully present with people that we love and care about. Because they want and deserve this from you and I. And to do either well, we must displace whatever distractions present present themselves whenever they present. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but everything in the world is competing for our attention. Everything in the world is competing for our attention. That's what the real fight is over. Because most of the time, what has your attention has your affection. And so this is what the fight is over. And in this passage, we see Jesus giving the Father his undivided attention. His undivided attention. He stepped away from people he cared about to spend time with God, to love God most, so that he could be fully present with people when he was with them, people he cared about. A friend of mine told me a story the other day about a pastor who made the comment that if anybody was around me and my family, they would think my name was Dad, Dad, Dad. They would think my name was Dad, 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 because my kids always had to call me three times to get my attention. And it's funny when we think about it, but isn't this true for most of our relationships? Isn't it true? Watch this. For most of us, even when we're physically present, we're mentally unavailable. Here's what it looks like. Mm, Yeah, I'm listening. This is what we do, right? I'm so guilty of this. We often refer to this as multitasking, don't we? We refer to this as multitasking when in reality we're falling short of the greatest commandment. That's to love God most and to love others best. So here in Luke 22, Jesus is showing us the way of love, which looks very different from the way you and I love. Because Jesus was intentional about displacing his distractions so that he could be alone with God to hear God's voice and so that he could be fully present with the people in his life. The second thing I want to show you here that he does in Luke 22, verse 41, is Scripture says that he knelt down. He knelt down. Don't miss this. This is more about the posture of his heart than the position of his body. 
It's more about the posture of his heart. He was humbling himself before his father. For you and I, this means that love calls for us to humble our hearts. Now, I could share a ton of stories with you guys about how I've had to humble my heart in various relationships. But Jesus here, he knew that he knew that humbling his heart was important because God had called him to love God most and to love others best. And likewise, our relationships with God and with others will require you to humble your heart. You got to give up the right to be right. I know some of us, you're smart as a whip. You dot all your I's and cross all your T's. But sometimes in relationships, we have to learn how to humble our hearts. Proverbs 13.10 says that pride leads to conflict. Pride leads to conflict. And the truth is, all of us have limitations and brokenness, don't we? All of us have limitations and brokenness, and we make mistakes from time to time. We cannot avoid that. You live long enough, you know that nothing exposes brokenness more than relationships. Nothing. Nothing will show you quite where you are like a relationship. But pride often gets in the way of this. So I want to give you a couple things uh, that will show you what it looks like practically to humble your heart in a relationship. The first thing is accepting differences. Accepting differences. Now, you don't have these in your notes. This, this is a bonus I'm giving you. Accepting, accepting differences. Accepting di- Many times in relationships, we think that the other person is wrong because they do things differently than we do. I know you do. I know you do. I know you do. You think the other person is wrong because they do something different. Maybe you have different styles of raising kids. Maybe one of you is liberal. Maybe one of you is conservative. Maybe one of you is a morning person. Maybe the other person is a night owl and so on. I'm not suggesting that you accept something crazy, but what I am saying is that relationships thrive when we humble ourselves and learn to accept differences. Because more times than not, it's not about somebody being right or wrong. It's about you accepting the fact that you're just different. The second way I want to show you um, in, in terms of practicality of humbling your heart in a relationship is practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude. Gratitude requires that we take time to reflect on what we take for granted. We take time to reflect on what we take for granted. It requires us to shift our focus from what we lack or think we lack to the gifts we already have. Gratitude opposes ego and pride. It opposes ego and pride. And by the way, it's appreciated by the person on the other end. And so practically in our relationships, accepting differences, practicing gratitude, and the third thing I'm going to share along these lines is develop curiosity rather than judgment. Develop curiosity. This sounds easier than it is, but it requires an awareness of judgment and an intentional effort to redirect our attention to listening rather than judging and trying to problem solve. Sometimes all people need is a space to be heard. That's all they need. That's all they need. Curiosity helps to slow things down, and it creates an environment for intimacy and vulnerability. So we see in this passage that not only does Jesus displace the distractions, but he also humbles his heart. Two things that are necessary for us to have God-honoring relationships. 
The last thing verse 41 says is that he prayed. For us, that means it's imperative that if our relationships are going to honor God, we have to commune with the king. We have to commune with the king. It sounds simple, but prayer is to the believer what blood is to the body. We cannot survive without it. Prayer is the conduit for the connection that our souls long for. Our relationships cannot honor God apart from God's influence. How many times do we try to do relationships apart from God? The best way for you and I to open ourselves up to his influence is through intimacy. And you know what I'm learning? I'm learning that we don't have to be Bible scholars to love God most and love others best. We just got to stay connected. We just got to stay connected to the king. I have experience in my life when I'm in a rhythm of communing with the king, wisdom shows up. Direction shows up. This is why displacing the distractions is important because the enemy knows that if we spend time with God, God will, God is faithful. He'll give us what we need. He'll give us what we need. And so we see Jesus here in Luke 22, displacing his distractions, humbling his heart, and communing with his father. But watch this, even in his prayer. Even in his prayer, he demonstrates things that are necessary for healthy relationships. Things that are necessary for you and I to love God most and to love others best. We see this right from, right from verse 42. He says, he, 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 he demonstrates honesty. He says, Father, if it, if it be willing, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. But notice he says, let this cup of suffering pass Away from me. He was honest with God about where he was. He was honest. He was suffering and he let God know it. But he was suffering for the sake of his relationship with God and his relationship with us. Honesty is important in our relationships. Sounds simple, but how many times does pride get in the way? How many times you ask your significant other, you okay? I'm cool. I'm straight. <laughs> Knowing good and well you hurt me. Knowing good and well something was done that hurt your feelings. But Jesus was honest with his father. I don't want to do this. Take this away from me. But I love what he says next because he demonstrates something else that's important for our relationships, and that's submission. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. Contrary to the world's stance on this, this is one of the most powerful positions we could take in any relationship. Jesus understood ultimately that the Father wanted what was best for him, even in his relationships. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody submit to anything crazy or dangerous or abuse of any kind. What I am suggesting is that you endeavor to submit to God's will for your relationship. This is what Jesus did. He submitted, in, in spite of not wanting to do it, he submitted to God's will. Sometimes God's will in your relationship is for you to give up the right to be right. 
Sometimes God's will in your relationship is, you, is for you to submit to the strength of the person you're in a relationship with. Sometimes God's will for your relationship means that you got to close your mouth and not say what you want to say when you want to say it. But I need you to know that God's will is always about God's glory, even in our relationships. See, if we're, if we're loving God first or seeking God first, as Matthew 6.33 says, then we'll know what God's will is for our relationships. But the problem is many of us have wasted time, energy, and resources because the only will we're willing to submit to is our own. But Jesus understood and he modeled that his relationship with us was bigger than both he and us. And that in order for God's will to be accomplished through that relationship, he had to submit to it. And the same is true for our relationships. If they are going to honor God, which as believers they should, we got to be willing to submit to God's will for our relationship. But there's one more thing I want to show you that we see here in Jesus' prayer that is necessary for relationships. Verse 43 says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. First of all, when the last time that you received strength when you prayed? Don't answer that. But it says an angel appeared from heaven and strengthened him. Now I want to define strength in, in, in this context for us because this, this is important to understand. Strength here means the capacity to withstand great force or pressure. I'm going to say it one more time. The capacity to withstand great force or pressure. What force or pressure needed to be withstood in this moment? The force and the pressure of self-will. Selfishness. If this had to be true for Jesus, then it's got to be true for us. The force or the pressure of self-will doing what I want to do in my relationships has to be withstood. And what we see here in Jesus' prayer is that an angel showed up and God strengthened him to carry out God's will for his relationship. Every relationship that endeavors to honor God will need God's strength. Part of what this moment in the life and ministry of Jesus shows us is that strength comes from alignment. When we step into agreement with God regarding the purpose for our life and our relationships, grace is afforded to us in the form of strength. Don't miss this. In other words, when the angel showed up, he gave Jesus the grace or the strength to carry out God's will for his relationship. And he'll do the same for us. God will give us the grace or the strength to love our children well. He'll give us the grace or the strength to understand our spouse's needs. He'll give us the grace or the strength to model integrity in our business practices. Ultimately, friends, what Jesus does here in Luke 22 is an invitation to the way of love. It's an invitation to the way of love. Love as God intended it. You don't need me to tell you that the world needs to see more relationships that honor God. More relationships that minimize or displace distractions. The world needs to see more relationships where humility is common and prayer is at the center. More relationships where God's will and his commandment to love is the most important thing. 
Relationships where there's less division, relationships where there's more unity. And we do that one relationship at a time. I wonder what the world would look like if each of us embraced the truth that when we love God most, we will in fact love others best. What I'm learning, family, is that love is not just a good idea. It's God's idea. And it's part of how God is going to demonstrate who he is to a lost and to a dying world. So my prayer is that we would accept Jesus' invitation to a way of love. That we would abandon our ways of thinking. That as God lead us, leads us, we would, we would abandon our ambitions, things that we want to do, that are actually distractions that need to be displaced so that we can be alone with God and fully present with people. That's my hope. That's my prayer. I believe that God wants to do some mighty things in and through our relationships, only if we'll let him. Only if we'll let him. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the gift of love. We're grateful that you have surrounded us with people that love and care about us. You've surrounded us, God, with people that may be different, but not better or worse, not right or wrong. Help us to see your beauty in our differences, God. Help us to practice displacing distractions so that we can be alone with you and we can be fully present with those in our lives. Then, God, help us to humble our hearts. Help us to give up the right to be right. And then, God, we pray that you'd help us to spend time in your presence. The clarity that we need is there. The direction we need is there. The peace that we need is there. So is the grace and the strength to operate according to your will in our relationships. So we're grateful that you sent Jesus to show us the way of love. And now we pray that you'll help us to model that in every relationship you give us, starting with our relationship with you. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.